This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Just three years after Children's Mercy Research Institute launched this Genomic Answers for Kids program, it reported it had hit the milestone of providing 1,000 rare disease diagnoses to families. One reason for the success of the GA4K program has been the use of advanced genomic sequencing that captures the full genome and methylome to reveal part of the human genome that has never been clinically tested to interpret changes beyond the genetic code. We spoke to Tommy Pastanen, director of the Genomic Medicine Center at Children's Mercy Kansas City, about the GA4K program, how new sequencing technology is allowing it to diagnose rare disease patients who previously were undiagnosable, and how it has the potential to alter the diagnostic odyssey for patients with rare genetic diseases. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan, for uh, for inviting me, and uh, happy to be here and talk about our science. We're going to talk about Children Mercy's Genomic Answers for Kids, or GA4K program, its use of cutting-edge sequencing technology, and what the results have been so far. We, we've discussed the GA4K program on the show previously with your colleague Tom Curran, but for listeners who may not be familiar with it, can you explain what it is and how it works? Sure. So Genomic Ask for Kids uh, was launched in 2019, almost exactly three years ago, as the first of its kind's pediatric data repository for, for children's rare disease. And our goal over several years is to collect 30,000 children and their family members to build a catalog of, of nearly 100,000 genome uh, data sets uh, to understand and diagnose rare disease better. We, well, what have the results been so far? How many rare disease patients have you been able to diagnose with the, the technology? So currently we, in, in our uh, three year anniversary of the program, we reached uh, over 10,000 individuals participating into the study, uh, of which 5,112 are patients from 4,237 families. Among those families, we've already done 1,145 diagnoses, and it's remarkable because we've only analyzed in completeness uh, about 2,300 genomes. So the diagnostic rate currently is over 40%, and uh, we are 
quickly approaching the um, remaining of the analysis with uh, several sets of tools that we've developed here in Kansas City. One of the frustrations for people suspected of having a rare genetic disease who get whole genome sequencing performed is that it often doesn't provide the diagnosis that they were expecting. How often does it result in a diagnosis and why is it that many people are still left without a name to put to their condition? Great question. The uh, diagnostic rate in our own institution uh, at the uh, initiation of our program uh, was uh, just below 30 percent. Currently, like I said, we are uh, beyond 40 percent, but we believe that with some of the new technologies like five-phase sequencing that we recently launched, uh, we will be uh, getting over the 50 percent mark so that most of the kids that enter sequencing uh, in our program with suspected genetic diagnosis will actually get the answer. That would be a major milestone for rare disease. The reasons why it's still not going to be 100% are multiple. Uh, One of the greatest reasons that we don't reach 100% uh, in in the immediate near future is that we still don't know uh, many thousands of rare diseases that are out there. And, And for for discovery of these new diseases, we collaborate widely with other researchers and other institutions to combine resources of, of their genomic sequencing with our genomic sequencing and technologies uh, to define new rare diseases. So, so the lack of uh, full catalog of rare disease knowledge is, is one of the reasons. The second reason is that there might be uh, diseases out there that look like genetic diseases are severe early onset diseases where the physicians suspect the genetic disease, but there might be an unknown uh, environmental cause. These are very difficult to study when the primary uh, assumption is that it would be a genetic cause. So, so I, I, I think by the time we are um, good enough to say that a genome is negative, we can start to study other mechanisms of, of early uh, onset uh, severe uh, pediatric disease uh, that is rare. In October 2020, you began a collaboration with Pacific Biosciences to bring long read or so-called hi-fi sequencing into GA4K. How does hi-fi sequencing differ from short read whole genome sequencing? So hi-fi sequencing has several um, distinctions to short read sequencing. the, the first and, and most, most uh, prominent and most discussed feature of hi-fi sequencing is that it produces uh, read lengths of individual DNA sequences uh, of over 10,000 base pairs in length when typical short read sequencing uh, for, for whole genome sequencing produces DNA molecules of 100 to 200 base pairs in length. So there's a hundredfold difference in the length of the individual DNA pieces that one can look at, at a single, in a single sequence. And what that allows you to do is to see very complex variation and especially what we call structural variation in the genome. So bigger changes than a single nucleotide uh, mutations, for example, uh, insertions or, or insertions of new pieces of, of DNA multiple base pairs in length or, or deletions, uh, removal of DNA pieces 
of 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 hundreds and thousands of of kilobases or uh, in in length. So it allows us to see all types of variation at at resolution that that is not possible with short reads. The second feature of of long read sequencing or hi-fi sequencing specifically is that the reads are uh, very accurate. The molecule the long molecules are actually sequenced multiple times over to, to reach high uh, accuracy in each read. And this allows us to do various different things, including building uh, personal assemblies or genomes from scratch, uh, putting uh, these long DNA molecules one after each other and uh, building a, a what we call reference-free personal genome from these this long read. And the last part that is unique to hi-fi genome sequencing uh, over, over short read sequencing is that the DNA molecules themselves are unaltered uh, long uh, pieces of DNA from directly from patient cells. And the feature of, of single molecule sequencing allows you to see um, how fast the uh, DNA is being uh, read through this long molecule and, and through the speed of, of reading through the molecule, we can collect additional information from the DNA, which is uh, the additional information that uh, the back bio sequencing system currently produces automatically is uh, the five base uh, readout, which is, includes not only ACs, Ts and Gs, but only also uh, methyl C or methylation of DNA. And so this five base information is completely novel feature that became um, available only this year. If you're able to get a sense of methylation, I, I, I take it this is giving you a, an epigenetic view where you can see how molecules outside of the DNA may be either suppressing or inactivating a gene. It, it, how might this accelerate the search for answers? That's a that's a great uh, question. There's there's two features of DNA methylation in in all of our genomes. One of them is exactly what you say. Uh, it, environment can influence how our genome uh, is methylated, how the cytosine basis in each of our cells and tissues uh, is is getting methylated. So that's completely uh, independent of the inheritance of genetic variation from our parents. But actually about half of the variation, and, and, and uh, my lab has studied this uh, before, uh, is the methylation variation in our genomes is actually inherited from parents. And that's the component that we are very excited about is because now we can suddenly interpret uh, genetic variation through the lens of DNA methylation variation. And why is this important? Is because DNA methylation variation tells us about genome function outside the coding regions. So the methylation of DNA is highly linked to gene regulation. And if we see, for example, a rare genetic variation that leads to rare methylation variation, we can ask the question, could this potentially inactivate a gene in a, and, and lead to disease. Based on, I'm sorry, bear with me one sec. 
there's a gap in our knowledge of genes that drive rare disease. What portion of the world is thought to be undetectable by short read whole genome sequencing? And to what extent do you think hi-fi sequencing can provide answers? So uh, among the um, about 4,400 well-characterized disease genes in the genome, 400 are difficult to some extent to sequence by, by short read uh, genome sequencing. So there are pieces of those genes that look very much like some other piece in the genome that can confuse short read uh, genome sequencing. When you do this with long reads, you're actually able to make the distinct, uh, you, you're actually able to distinguish easily that this, uh, this longer piece of DNA is unique and stems from that disease gene. So, so this five to ten percent of disease genes uh, that are in duplicated and difficult to sequence uh, regions of the genome benefits directly from the nucleotide uh, better nucleotide resolution in this duplicated regions of the human genome. The second part uh, where uh, where uh, long reads help is this what I already earlier earlier mentioned this structural variation. So. In many cases, we have, for example, a uh, recessive disease when where one uh, allele is inherited uh, from from one parent, but then the second allele that we expect to be uh, inherited from the other parent is missing in the short read sequencing data. In in many cases, that second uh, hit on the gene is actually a structural variant that is. Uh, that is uh, not seen by short read sequencing, but can be detected by by uh, long read sequencing. So, so those are two of the key mechanisms in which we uh, we can assign more nucleotide based uh, uh, diagnosis using long read sequencing. The, but the third uh, aspect is related to this methylation detection, which opens up uh, vast. Uh, areas of the genome for, for uh, inspection. As I said before, methylation variation can be linked to uh, gene regulation variation, which allows us now to interpret regions in the non-coding DNA. 98% of human genome is non-coding, and that 98% of the genome is not currently interpreted in clinical tests. Based on the success of the early collaboration with Pacific Biosciences, you, you've expanded on it. What have you done to date, and what's the ultimate goal of the collaboration? How many, you, you mentioned 30,000 genomes. Is that an increase from what you previously expected to sequence? Um, well, I think the scope of the... Uh collaboration with, with long-read genome sequencing, hi-fi genome sequencing, five-phase sequencing with, with Pacific Biosciences is, is really to define the best algorithm when to, when to use uh, long-read sequencing. Long-read sequencing continues to be more expensive than short-read genome sequencing. So we want to find the optimal uh, approach to uh, to deploy long read sequencing early, uh, as early as possible, in in uh, in finding answers for a family, uh, but doing it efficiently so that not every patient, because not every patient needs long read sequencing, we can find 
uh, most answers still by short read sequencing. So, so one of the um, one of the current emphasis areas is is really to try to find the uh, the best algorithm to define which patients would benefit from long read sequencing and 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 do that as early as possible. Uh, the second part of of um, uh, the current uh, extension of our collaboration with Pacific Biosciences relates to trying to do a single ensemble test, single test to uh, uh, detect all uh, genetic variation in the human genome uh, diagnostically. So currently, even when you do short read sequencing, you typically couple that with, with other technologies to find other types of variation. In principle, uh, the long read sequence should be able to uh, yield all types of ge uh, genetic variants uh, that can be diagnosed today in a single test. And, and we, are, uh, we are in the process of uh, getting that uh, single uh, genomic test validated clinically. And, and I, I think that would be a, a major milestone for, for long read sequencing and, and for rare disease investigation in general to have everything packaged in a single test. You mentioned that one of the things you're trying to do is determine who might be most appropriate for this type of long read sequencing. Is it something other than someone suspected of a genetic disease who went through whole genome sequencing and didn't get an answer? That's exactly how we are currently um, prioritizing patients is, is we are in our own project or, or receiving patients from elsewhere who had gone through the current clinical and research sequencing by short reads and uh, the suspicion of the uh, physicians and, 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 and the research teams is still high that they missed something. Those are the samples that are currently uh, streamlined into um, HIFI genome sequencing in our, uh, which is the long read genome sequencing in, in our center. We do believe that we could potentially identify uh, types of uh, rare diseases, for example, uh, early onset hypotonia, this uh, what sometimes is called floppy babies, which, which is, is really a, a neurological dysfunction uh, in newborns. Uh, in many of those cases, the genes underlying um, underlying the uh, hypotonia is is actually uh, uh, very resistant to be diagnosed by by short read genome sequencing and requires uh, different tests today. So, so we are trying to find these areas uh, indications uh, among patients who would benefit from primary HIFI genome sequencing. But most cases, like you said are channeled to us after everything else has failed. You mentioned that hi-fi sequencing is, is more expensive than whole genome sequencing. We've seen a, a big drop in the cost of sequencing. Is hi-fi sequencing enjoying the same type of price drop, uh, Moore's law uh, in, in genetic sequencing, or is it uh, something that's significantly more expensive and something that's going to remain more expensive? Well, I, I do do believe that our work and, and, and work by many other groups that have uh, in the recent years uh, started to use long read sequencing. Uh, so, so the user pool has significantly increased in the past few years. And there are uh, not only Pacific Biosciences, but there's also a company called Oxford Nanopore, 
which are competing. So, so this competition, I believe, will lead into a lower cost sequencing, perhaps not as quickly as we in the early years of sort read sequencing, but we, we have high hopes that the uh, price gap between uh, long and short read sequencing uh, will become smaller over time and, and maybe even in the near future. And, and that, that will slightly change the landscape then on, on when to deploy long read sequencing as a primary test rather than uh, the traditional short read sequencing. There are many institutions that will sequence a patient and not be able to come up with an answer. Are you collaborating with any other institutions that have undiagnosed patients? We do collaborate in many different ways uh, uh, with, with other institutions and with other rare disease programs. One way is to uh, accept samples into our HIFI genome sequencing pipeline uh, from centers that have lower access to this technology. So for example, uh, we have for a year and a half now worked with the NYU's Undiagnosed Disease Project and, and they have been sending us families that have, have gone through extensive molecular analysis in, in New York uh, without finding the answer. And, and, and we have solved uh, cases for them using HIFI genome sequencing. Other ways of collaborate with our data is we've built this large repository, actually world's largest disease-oriented long-read sequencing database, uh, which currently inc includes 1,072 human genomes. And with that a large compendium of, of um, long-read genome sequences from uh, different individuals and different rare disease patients, we are able to um, provide other groups that are independently pursuing HIFI genome sequencing in their rare disease programs uh, a, a background database where they can compare their own sequences to our large data repository. And this is a way we collaborate, for example, with University of Utah, as well as um, uh, the Canadian Care for Rare uh, uh, program in, uh, ran from Toronto and Ottawa. If there are patients who are undiagnosed, uh, there are ways they can go about getting access to this technology? Can they participate in a study you're doing if they were interested? Yes, we have uh, accepted patients from, as, as I said, institutionally from, from from this institutional level collaboration, but we've also accepted patients from individual physicians and physician scientists and researchers that have compelling cases where um, where they they feel that uh, long read sequencing uh, might provide the answer. So 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 we do receive uh, individual samples from various different uh, locations in 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 the U.S. and Canada currently. Ultimately, how do you? think this technology will change the diagnostic odyssey and what will it take to make it more available to patients suspected of having a genetic disease more broadly? Well, so I, I think starting from the last point, uh, how to get this uh, to a greater uh, number of patients, I, I think uh, we already experience with, with various genetic tests in, in children with rare disease, um, suboptimal reimbursement by insurers. So either Medicaid or private insurers uh, may decline genetic tests. And we see that in our own program. We have a number of families that have entered the program 
uh, where uh, their insurance uh, carrier declined uh, uh, coverage of even clinical genetic testing, and we can still find uh, molecular diagnosis in, in these families. So, so I, I think accelerating the cycle of bringing these new technologies into the, um, into the reimbursement uh, landscape of, for, for molecular tests is, is key. So, so we, we do want to provide sufficient um, scientific evidence and, and, and follow-up evidence so that, that which would help the insurers to, uh, to accelerate their, uh, their, their plans for reimbursement for these modern molecular tests. The, I think beyond that uh, reimbursement uh, barrier, um, the data that we are producing now from the HIFI genome sequences, we are now at over a thousand uh, sets of human uh, genome sequence data, but we probably have to get into the into the um, area of 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 ten to even hundreds of thousands of patients with five-phase sequencing to to really capture all types of new variants that can be seen by these new technologies. Short read sequencing has benefited from from over 10 years of community efforts in building uh, these reference databases. We're only in the start with this long read genome sequencing and its full benefit comes into life when multiple groups start to use it um, and, and like us shares the data with the community to build that large resource to compare every new patient sequence and to extract all the benefits from, from the long reads and the five-phase sequencing. Tommy Passanen, Director of the Center for Pediatric Genomic Medicine at Children's Mercy. Tommy, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.